They're not paying attention. The people of Jerusalem and the people of Judah are not paying attention. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembrick. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are discovering the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. We are learning a lot. And in a moment, we begin Isaiah chapter 1. Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. We're going to study the book of Isaiah in about five minutes time, but Corey and Ryan are here first. Corey? All right. We're talking about a modern issue that people find in Isaiah chapter one that has to do with animal sacrifice. Ryan? Okay. So as we begin the book of Isaiah today, I thought that it would be helpful to do a bit of a biography on this very faithful prophet of God. A biography. That's great. That's excellent. They're coming up in 20 minutes time. Janice? The depths of the wisdom and knowledge of God. All right, take your Bible guide and turn to today's page as we open up the Bible and listen to what God says to us. Isaiah 1, 1 through 9. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not consider. Alas, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away backward. Why should you be stricken again? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faints. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed or bound up or soothed with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Strangers devour your land in your presence, and it is desolate, as overthrown by strangers. So the daughter of Zion is left as a booth in a vineyard, as a hut in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. Unless the Lord of hosts had left to us a very small remnant, we would have become like Sodom, we would have been made like Gomorrah. Isaiah chapter 1 Verses 1 through 9. I love the prophets. We enter into the prophets today as we study the Word of God and the Bible. And let me tell you something. We are in the book of Isaiah. Now, the book of Isaiah contains 66 chapters, were put in about a thousand years ago, the chapter numbers. And it was, it is lengthy and poetic, but it is very important. It is very prophetic, 22 visions. It shows God's desired relationship with us. Come now, 
and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. These words convey the passion of God speaking through the man, Isaiah. Now, his name means Yahweh is salvation. Isaiah was a contemporary of the kings Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. His ministry emerged during the time of these kings as they reigned in Jerusalem. Now, tradition claims that Isaiah was killed by King Manasseh late in his life. And this is something that we'll talk about later, but it's important to remember the ministry of Isaiah, and we're going to spend some time in this because it's 66 chapters, is so full and dramatic. It is really something. Now, the prophets are amazing. We've got the four majors and we've got the 12 minors. It is excellent. And I want to pray and ask God to help us today. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would help us to fulfill today understanding all that you're saying in the prophets. Teach us your way and show us your paths in terms of the way that we hear things are going to happen in Jesus' name. Amen. Keep this, take the Bible guide, turn to the passage because uh, it is good. If you don't have one, you can write or you can call us. Another way you can do this is go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. You can download it just as we have it on the screen. Now, let us reason together. That's what we're going to talk about. And Lord, help us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Here comes the scripture. Now, keep this in mind. Isaiah is the first prophetic that we've seen here. Now, we've seen other prophets, but the first dedicated prophetic. We need to hear that. Okay, with that in mind, let's go to Isaiah chapter 1. This is great. I love this. Here we go. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. Isn't that interesting? He talks to heavens and earth. For the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children. They have rebelled against me. Now the ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know my people do not consider. That's Isaiah's opening lines. God says the people of Jerusalem and Judah are not paying attention. We would do well to pay attention to the Lord at all times. We would do well to pay attention to the Lord right now. We would do well to pay attention to the divine mind always. And in our world today, where we have wars, we have conflict, we have all kinds of evil, horrible things, we need Yeshua HaMashiach. That's who we need. And we need him to come in and help us. Jesus, I pray today, help us in the world. We need you. We live in a time when every two hours a Christian is killed simply for loving the Lord. Never been worse than it is today. The persecution against Christians. China is the biggest church. Then we've got Nigeria and then we've got India. Those three places are the biggest churches in the world. 
We need to pray for them in Jesus' name. Let's go back to Isaiah chapter 1, verse 4. Alas, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a broad of evildoers, children who are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked to anger the, the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away backward. The people of Jerusalem and Judah have fallen and continue to sin. We must not abandon our holy God, but always turn towards him. Really important to understand this begins not with a political change. This begins not with a party in control. It begins with you, begins with me. You and me, that's how we do it. We come to God, we repent, we change, and we try to make our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit exactly how God wants them. That's how it begins, coming back to God. That's how it starts, not with a vote. It's, it's okay to vote, but we need to pray. We need to ask God for personal forgiveness and to, to say, Lord, our fathers have sinned. Help us, Lord, to get it right with you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's read the next passage, Isaiah 1, 5 to 9. Here's what it says. Why should you be stricken again? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the heart faints. Verse 6, from the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed or bound up or sued with ointment. Your country is desolate. Now listen carefully. I want you to listen to this, okay? Very important. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Strangers devour your land in your presence. And it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. Sound familiar? So the daughter of, Je of Zion is left as a booth in a vineyard, as a hut in the garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. Unless the Lord of hosts had left to us a very small remnant, we would have become like Sodom and we would have been made like Gomorrah. Absolutely true. The devastation of sin is just like the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Sin kills us in the end, but God has provided the way for us to overcome sin through Jesus Christ. Sin kills us in the end, but God has provided a way for us to overcome sin through Yeshua HaMashiach. Very, very important, beloved. And I would pray today, Lord, that you would help us and forgive us. In America, we have sinned. In Canada, we have sinned. In the UK, we have sinned. In Australia, we have sinned. In South Africa, we have sinned. In many other countries, we have sinned. Help us today, O oh Lord, to come back to you as we read these scriptures and understand that this is what's happening today. In Jesus' name, and we all said together, every one of us, amen.
A lie is when somebody tells you, I know how you'll be happy. You buy this hairspray and you're going to be happy. You smell like this flower, you're going to be happy. You take this drug, you're going to be happy. You buy this car, you're going to be happy. See, it all tells me I'm going to be happy. No, I'm not. That's not how this works. The truth is that I am not happy until I find the purpose of why I exist. My purpose for living. All right, well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study. And today we begin the very eloquently written book of Isaiah. And so I thought that it would be helpful to do sort of a biography piece on this prophet. And the first thing to notice is that his name in Hebrew is Yesayahu, and it means God is salvation. Now, while we already met this prophet back in 2 Kings 19, we are now in his book, which more fully documents his oracles from God. And his book is very significant because he wrote like he knew Jesus as well as any disciple ever would. And that's why some scholars have nicknamed this book the fifth gospel. Check it out. Although technically a prophet of Judah, Isaiah was really an international messenger as he spoke God's judgment on entire peoples across the vast region. His name means Yahweh is salvation and was first called by God to be a prophet in the year that King Uzziah died. In fact, his 40-year career spanned the reign of four kings, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Isaiah's call commenced with a dramatic vision in which the Lord revealed to him the grueling nature of his mission. Though God really put him to task, Isaiah was steadfastly obedient to God, even to the point of prophesying naked for three years. However, his prophecies were not all doom and gloom and judgment. He is a good news prophet with a message of hope and salvation who foretells a glorious messianic age when God's kingdom will rule upon the earth. This didn't go unnoticed. Isaiah contains so many messianic prophecies that his book has been nicknamed the fifth gospel. In fact, New Testament writers quote Isaiah about 50 times, more than any other book. He's also been called the evangelical prophet because although the book was inked 700 years before Jesus was born, he wrote like he knew Jesus as well as any disciple ever would. While we know much about Isaiah's career, the prophet says little of himself. We do know that he was the son of Imaz, was married to a prophetess, and that they had at least two sons. His eloquence of speech and easy access to the kings may also suggest that he was an educated noble. In fact, Jewish tradition even claims Isaiah was a member of the royal family, first cousin to King Uzziah. Although the Bible does not reveal how he died, the pseudepigraphal Jewish text called the Martyrdom and Ascension of Isaiah claims that he was arrested and sawed in half by Manasseh. Apparently, absorbed in a vision, Isaiah's eyes stayed open and he didn't cry out in pain, but his lips moved as though he was talking with God. So as I mentioned in the report, while the Bible doesn't tell us how Isaiah died, another non-biblical book called The Martyrdom and Ascension of Isaiah claims that he was arrested during the reign of Hezekiah's son Manasseh, the most notorious king of Judah. Isaiah was charged with falsely predicting the destruction of Judah, and he was ordered to repeat these words, quote, everything I said has been lies and Manasseh is good, close quote. Now, of course, he refused, and an executioner used a wooden saw to cut him in two. Interestingly, Hebrews 11.37 might refer to this merciless execution, as the writer, speaking of Old Testament heroes, says that some were sawed in half. 
Now, if it was indeed Manasseh that murdered Isaiah, then it adds a layer of irony to the story because the Bible informs us that this wicked king eventually repented himself and came to saving faith. So Isaiah's godly witness may very well have played a role in this event. And you and I should remember that because our faithful living for the Lord is more important than we think. First of all, it pleases the Lord. But second, non-believers are watching us. So we need to be faithful witnesses for the Lord, not just in word, but also in deed. I think it's important to remember that Isaiah was uh, very, very likely he was killed uh, for his faith in Jesus Christ. And he was a predominant uh, prophet. He really was. Mm -hmm. He was an excellent prophet. And we have more evidence for him. In fact, his scrolls were discovered yeah. among the Dead Sea Scrolls, the copies of his scripture discovered in the Dead Sea Scrolls. And I compared the, the Bible, the Hebrew Bible, with the Dead Sea Scrolls and one section of it, a small section, mm -hmm. and they were exact. Uh, so it's very, very interesting. Thank you, Ryan. Mm -hmm. Corey? All right. Well, today I want to talk about something that um, Matlock and I on the weekend show, which is aired uh, each weekend uh, on my YouTube channel, which is my name, Corey Babechko. We are going to be discussing this question more in depth. But I wanted to mention it on the show because I think it brings up some interesting uh you know, there's a direct answer to the question, and then there's side issues that come up from the question. The question has to do with Isaiah chapter 1. Uh, basically, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 11, uh, Isaiah says this in the name of the Lord. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams, and of the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. Now, elsewhere in the Bible, God says, says something similar when his prophets are indicting the people. And even in Psalm chapter 51, when David is repenting to God, he says, you do not require, you do not, you're not going to take pleasure. You're not going to accept my offerings right now. Um, you know, I'm paraphrasing there, but this idea of why, like, is this not evidence that God does not want animal sacrifice? How can God order animal sacrifice through Moses and then say he doesn't want it through his prophets and even through King David? Now, when this question is asked sincerely, uh, you really just have to look at the context of these verses. You know, when, when Isaiah is indicting the people, he's not saying that the sacrifices and offerings themselves are wrong. What he's saying is they're being offered in hypocrisy. So the people, when you, when you read on in verse, um, 14, it says this, your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals, I hate with all my being. They've become a burden to me. I'm weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Why? The next sentence, your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us settle the matter. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Uh, though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. So in context, the people were in a covenant relationship with God. And there were there were moral rules and obligations that they had to God that they had to follow 
as well as sacrifices and offerings, and one without the other wasn't cutting it. So the people thought they could act however they wanted, but as long as they continued giving their sacrifices and offerings, they were fulfilling the covenant. Therefore, they were going to be fine. Well, God through His prophets were calling them out. No, this is not. Fine. This is not appropriate behavior. So that's how to answer that question. And Matlock and I are going to go into more depth on the weekend show. But this brings up another issue because sometimes this question is offered insincerely. And what I mean by that is, we in the West we're very spoiled. We're very privileged. We do not have to worry about where our food comes from. Here in Canada, we can go to the grocery store and we can purchase groceries. If we don't have enough money for groceries, we can go to food banks. The government will give us、um, monetary assistance in order so that we will not starve. We don't have to worry about food. We have an abundance, so we can choose not to eat meat. It, it's a privilege of our of you know our financial and economic success here in the West. Other countries don't have that. In the ancient world, they didn't have that, so they were less. Precious about animal life, and our culture is very precious about animal life. We have pets and, and things of that nature. Now, all of that makes us intensely uncomfortable with animal sacrifice, but our re- reaction to that should not be. I'm uncomfortable with animal sacrifice. Therefore, God must be uncomfortable with animal sacrifice. So, where's evidence in the Bible that God is uncomfortable with animal sacrifice? That's not the way that logic stream should go. It should be, I'm really uncomfortable with animal sacrifice. Why am I uncomfortable with animal sacrifice? And why would God do something that makes me uncomfortable? That line of logic is trying to find out who God is, trying to understand what the Scripture is saying. The other line of logic is trying to craft God in your own image. Whatever makes me uncomfortable must make God uncomfortable because I love Him. That's just not the case. God is a different person than you or I. He's a different being. His ways are high above our ways. So we have to allow God to instruct us, and not the other way around. So just some thoughts as we're going to be traversing uncomfortable passages in Isaiah.、Mm-hmm. That's very good. That's、mm-hmm. excellent. And、uh, we need to pay attention to that because as we ask the right questions, we read the Bible the right way, and、uh, too many people are not. Anyway, that's a, that's we'll talk more about this in the future. Janice, yes, the depths and the wisdom and the depths of the wisdom and knowledge of God is what I titled this today. In the first chapter of Isaiah, we see Judah on trial, and the heavens and the earth are called on to hear the charges against. God's people, hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. That's quite the way to start off this vision of Isaiah. We can see that evidence of that same calling,、uh, asking the heavens and the earth to be witness in Deuteronomy chapter four, verse twenty-six, and Deuteronomy thirty, verse nineteen. We see the heavens and earth invoked as witnesses to the covenant. Now Isaiah calls on these witnesses to listen to the charges filed, and and rendered judgment. Rendered judgment, and it made me think about how that the creation is in bondage right now. And I'm going to take us to Romans eight, and I'm going to start at verse eighteen. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. 
For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. So trying to wrap our minds around the, the idea that, that everything in creation was created by God and is here to praise and worship God, that the heavens and the earth do listen to God. They know who God is. Now, we don't worship the created things. We worship the one who created, and that's God. So the power and the majesty of God are vast and beyond our human comprehension. And I want to read Romans 11, verses 33 through 36. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him? For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Amen. That is great, Jen. And I would say that if we ever hear, hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, when the Lord speaks, we need to listen, and he speaks to us through his word. In fact, he does. And uh, as we focus on this, we keep this in mind as we study Isaiah. This is, this is amazing. The beginning of Isaiah. Mm -hmm. And uh, we go through this and we can see this. 22 visions of the messianic prophecies. This is really something. All right, let's uh, continue on and read and continue to understand what God is saying to us. BD, family and friends. I know you're tired of me saying the same thing all the time, but I'm, I'm just excited about this channel. And uh, I'll just say this one more day. And that is we do a program called Just the Facts 30 years ago. And we put that on there as well. So all our programs we do here at the studio and have done in the past are on. And they're on video on demand as well. So check out BD, family and friends on the internet, BibleDiscoveryTV.com or on the Roku channel or on the Firestick television. Either way, BD, family and friends, check it out. In the meantime, let's pray. Lord, help me to reset my thinking to your way, not my way. I need to think like you think, not like I do. Help me to do that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.